Welcome back to Maritime Software Hub of the People Podcast. This is episode 12, and in this episode, I'm talking to Arthur Riccia, who's the Head of Strategic Partnerships at Vortexa. A really interesting guy, he's got a great background, quite educated. He's worked at places like Ursum Young, S&P, Flat. He's got a really good understanding of corporate space, and particularly in energy and shipping, and also has some prior background in startups. So we're going to be talking about the role of strategic partnerships, diving into what that means, how Heavy and Vortex would go about kind of approaching businesses they might like to align to, and also we share and then talk about the role of partnerships in businesses and what it means, what he does day to day. So I think you'll find this useful. I really enjoyed speaking to him, and certainly in my stage in my business, I'm keeping an eye out for potential strategic partnerships in it going forward so it was really interesting for me just to learn a bit more about that myself so hope you enjoy thanks for listening and speaking as it hi Arthur welcome to the podcast hey Callum how's it going very good thing it's a pleasure to have you on and uh, I know obviously we've kind of spoken and met each other a few times over the years at different industry events so delighted to have you join us um, and a lot to learn from your background so quick intro for the for the audience so Arthur Richard from um, obviously Vortexa Head of Strategic uh, and Partnerships, and I really just wanted perhaps maybe if you can give a quick overview of your role and, and your introduction, you might be doing it slightly better than I can. So if that's okay, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. So I lead the strategic partnerships here at Voltexa. That means taking care of all our partners, uh, both on the product side, on the marketing side, and on the commercial side. There's an element of strategy as well to make sure that any partnership initiatives are aligned with the, the product roadmap as well as our sales uh, organization. Okay, fantastic. And, and obviously, you've been with the company a, a little while now. So tell us a little bit, if you don't mind, about your background kind of in the energy and shipping space prior to joining Vortexa. So I studied a very general business degree. Um, didn't really have a clue uh, what I wanted to do. So I decided after university to join a very large consulting organization. Again, you know, they cool. didn't seem to be too picky on, the, on your grades or what you'd studied. So I went there, I thought it looked good on the CV um, and would keep my options open until I really figured, um, figured things out. Now, at the time I had done a year of exchange in, uh, in Singapore at a university there. So they actually okay. posted me up. And the way teams were divided, they were divided by industries. Singapore, massive in shipping, uh, lots of containers especially. And I got posted to the, the shipping industry team. So, you know, I spent four years really immersed within uh, shipping companies there. Uh, luck would have it, I actually started specializing in analytics. Now, mostly around account payables and account receivables to try and see sort of financial flows and, and trends. Um, not the most exciting, but definitely the, the excitement came from the, the shipping and analytics aspect. Yeah. Of, and this is um, Sun Young, isn't it? Is that right? Yes, that's the one. Yeah. E-Y. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. You know, I decided to specialize a bit further there, came back to the UK, enrolled in a master's in, in energy and shipping, and then started work at a price reporting agency, pricing tanker freight rates daily. And, and they're really sort of starting to get to know the, the industry more, building a network, going out for beers with, with brokers, attending conferences, you know, really getting uh, knee deep into the, um, the whole ecosystem um, here in London. And, you know, I was approached by a recruiter, someone just like uh, just like yourself. And when they brought the Vortex opportunity along, I was a bit shocked, to be honest, at how sort of well every all of my previous experiences, you know, seemed to to fit. Um, so, so I jumped at the at the opportunity, and uh, I've been there ever since. And actually, in August, um, yeah. so the week is going to be my my tenth year in the in the industry. Wow! Looking at energy and shipping. Congratulations. 
Thank you. No, it's been uh, it's been a great ride. Good. Uh, and yes, and, and uh, fantastic. I mean, if you work some for some, let's say, fairly corporate businesses, I'd say EY, S and P, um, and, and now Vortex, I, I would say, would you class them as corporate? I'm, I'm not too sure what the culture's like internally, but how would you can kind of compare those sort of uh, different types of businesses? No, it's a good question. EY, you can't do more, you know, corporate than than that. 300,000 employees, I think last time I checked, uh, you know, suit and a tie every day. Yeah. And actually, not a lot of people know this, but just before I started my master's, I did work for a startup in in Paris. Great startup, uh, mission driven. They built smart water meters in Africa uh, with a system where you were able to to prepay, you know, really using your, your mobile phone. So there was no need for sort of large expenditures. And it just helped uh, villages really use and fund only with the, with the money that they had. But this okay. startup was working out of a beanbag. Everyone had a hoodie at work. If you weren't yeah. a vegan, you were kind of frowned upon. And <laughs> and so I decided, okay, startups were not for me. I'm never going uh, going back there. Um, S&P oh, really? Global, okay. massive company. But Platts was a, a very interesting place where because we were in small teams, you had already kind of that element of doing something very serious, but not necessarily having all the, the red tape and the, and the hierarchy around. And then Voltexo was perfect because massive industry. You know, I feel that what we're doing is really important. We we all have that shared sense of, of mission. But at the same time, we have a lot of fun doing it. And in the office, we have both normal chairs and beanbags, depending on the on what you fancy. So sometimes you can wear a suit and a tie if you need to, but also it's hoodie and sort of t-shirt and things on different occasions, depending on the, the event and the, the meeting, I guess. Good. And just so I can rewind a little bit. So I'm really interested in your that project you did, the, the startup that you were involved in. How, how did you, that come about? Were you, was it a friend or someone that you kind of studied with that kind of presented that to you? So I just had a couple of months to kill before the start of my of my master's. And all the more corporate companies, you know, they would have wanted someone to sign on for longer. There wasn't necessarily any opportunities when it came to, to contracting work. So a startup was just the, the easy way into, into doing some work because, you know, it was a kind of company at the time that was growing, uh, was still very new. And, you know, they were just happy to have people come in, have an impact for a couple of months and then, and then pop out again. Yeah, that really interesting. Good to hear. Thank you for sharing and explaining it. So let's talk about Vortex now. So I guess just really to get a feel for how kind of Vortex has helped, their, their insights help their, your client base and your customers. So is there any way you can perhaps elaborate and, and maybe um, share with our audience that either do or perhaps don't know Vortex uh, that well at the moment? Absolutely. So we're an energy and shipping and tech startup. We track about $1.8 trillion worth of commodities on the water. And we have today the most complete coverage of global flows when it comes to to petroleum and, and gas. So what that means is that our users are then able either through a web app or using their programmatic skills with the SDK or, or, the, or Python through APIs to aggregate all that data and harness the value from it. Ultimately, we're shining a light on, on the industry, on the flows, on which products are moving, where are these products moving, and really sort of plugging the gaps. So either from a hard data perspective, where we provide the value of collating all those data sources globally, and we have more than you know 100 uh, partnerships today on the data side, but also on the modeling side, where all those gaps where you're just never going to be able to you know, get that data, or it's really difficult or expensive to get that data, we have our modeling that comes then from the inputs of our in-house market experts, plugging in those gaps in order to allow for 
what is ultimately a very complete and accurate view of flows in the market. So if you think of our clients, okay. and, you know, we have traders, we have ship owners, we have charterers within trading houses, we have governments, research organizations. It's all about knowing what is going on now, what happened in the past, what's likely to happen in the future. And this in turn helps them with their trading, chartering decisions, with their hedging, with their risk management, or with providing research services then onto their own clients. And so we're helping the ecosystem really understand what's going on. So then your clients would either subscribe to your, like a, a, an annual subscription to your, your reporting your data feeds, or is it a more of an advisory kind of subscription or combination? No, so no advisory or consulting at all. You know, the star of the show here is really our data. Okay. And in our own research, that is more of a value add um, which is not something that, you know, we, we necessarily put forward. Our research is based on our data and it's our data that, that we put forward. So, you know, we remain independent, we remain objective. Our research just translates what the data, the data tells you. So not in advisory capacity, companies subscribe and they either subscribe for access to the web app or they subscribe to, to the data feed through the APIs if that's easier for them to, to consume. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Excellent. And, and the, the, the main theme and kind of subject matter of this particular episode is around strategic partnerships. Obviously, some of you are very familiar with it. Um, so what would be great is perhaps if you could describe or give a quick overview of your role as the head of strategic partnerships, just so our audience can better understand perhaps what you do day in, day out, and, and what the role in your understanding kind of means to you. Yes. So, you know, my primary function is, is that of an, an enabler. And the first aspect of that is enabling collaboration across our partnership ecosystem um, and helping drive value across the functions of our organization. So whether that's product, uh, marketing, sales. And then the second aspect is, which is really a result of the, the first one, is enabling that, that growth. So if we break that apart, enabling that collaboration, you know, externally that means acting as a point of contact for all our partners. So these could be satellite data providers, these could be port agents, customs, brokers uh, that provide the hard data that then feeds into, into a product. It could also be uh, media organizations, uh, price reporting agencies, uh, research companies um, that then help us promote our brand and, and generate leads for, for our sales function. So internally, it's really about supporting the need of the data and the product team. And that includes, but isn't limited, limited to you know, validating customer requirements. We contribute to the alignment of the product as well by allowing partners to feedback on the product and then also supporting the needs of the, the marketing team, assisting with go-to-market activities or industry event participation, for, for example. So in a nutshell, it's really about yep. aligning strategy in a way which is coherent with our product roadmap and in turn communicating that clearly throughout the organization. Now, when it comes to growth, there's really three ways to, to grow. You can buy, you can build, or you can partner. I mean, each of those have pros and cons. You know, when it comes to buying, you can grow very quickly by acquiring other companies, at least give, give the impression of growth. But then there's always an element where it's hard to, to integrate. And sometimes for a lot of companies, if they don't integrate well, you know, the price tag ends up costing a lot more and then just the sort of cost of acquisition at the, at the time. But going back to partnerships, discussions around acquisition will usually arise from a partnership conversation. So it's important, you know, to, to build those partnerships, to set the scene for potential acquisitions. When it comes to, to building, well, as I mentioned previously, in terms of alignment with the product team, if we want to launch a new product, 
we're probably going to need new hard data sources. We're probably going to need input from industry experts. And this is where, again, the partnership role sort of comes in to, to help support building those, those new products. And then the last one, partnering, you know, is the, is the key one. But that can mean, for example, if we wish to expand in a new region, um, it can mean partnering with, with local partners to help us uh, accelerate that growth. So, so yeah, you know, just to summarize, it's about really making sure that internally the strategy the product roadmap is aligned and communicate it clearly. And then from a growth perspective, it's enabling that growth, depending on the company's strategy, again, to, to buy, build, or, or partner. Okay. For your personal role, let's say, are you kind of like targeted on the amount of new strategic partners you bring in per year, or is it more kind of bigger pitch than that, perhaps about the value of the existing partnerships plus the other ones we've added? Do you have any specific kind of role targets for yourself or is it not quite measured in that way? It's it's a hard one to measure. It's not in terms of uh, quantity. Uh, you know, quant quality over quantity is, is better. You know, if I had a target of 10 new partners a year, then I might just try and meet that target without actually thinking about the quality of those of those partnerships. So it's more about just making sure the support is there. So if we take a step back and we think, okay, this product, is what we want to launch this quarter, then my KPI will probably be okay. Ensure that we have, say, three hard data partners um, to support the launch of this product, or ensure that we have an industry partnership to support the branding and marketing of that new product alongside someone. So that's also what keeps us interesting. You know, it's, it's very varied. The targets really change. It can be also, okay, this quarter, we need to focus on a specific region. After go out and build partnerships in, the, in that region. I think it's easy to measure in terms of seeing whether it worked or not. Applying data to everything is something we've worked on a lot. And I think, you know, we've made some good progress there. But in terms of KPIs, it's about being super flexible to, to the needs of the business and the teams at the time. Okay. And you talked about kind of the quality of those partnerships. How do you go about kind of vetting or, or kind of analyzing and researching the type of partnerships that you go? Do you have a certain methodology that you take for each one or is it completely different depending on the scenario. So what makes a good uh, good partner for Vortexa, basically? Yeah. You know, at the risk of signing naive, I look for excitement first and foremost. You know, we're, we're in such an interesting industry and I really want people to have that genuine interest and curiosity in, in wanting to work with us and, and changing the industry for, for the better. So, you know, the first one I look for is really that shared candid um, ambition. So now that we know that, you know, they're really interested in, in working with us, I'll look whether we have something of value to offer to, to each other. Even though I think partnerships is a space where you can be extremely creative as to how you can go about, you know, building a successful partnership. If it's not that evident from the get-go, you know, why it would be a good fit, then it's okay to, to let go as well. You know, mm -hmm. if you try too hard, you know, you're probably not going to end up with, um, with the best partnership the end of the of the day so we've established you know we want to to work together we've established we both have something of, of value and then the final one is uh, making sure we have the the right audience as well which is going to lead to that sort of cross collaboration uh which is allow going to allow our potential clients or prospects to benefit from our association ultimately so that's really the um, okay the three three things uh, i'd look out for Briefly interrupt this episode to give you a quick overview of our core business, which is Cordell Beaumont. We're the company that powers the podcast. For those of you that don't know of us, haven't heard of us, um, we are a digital search agency and we focus primarily on the maritime trade and supply chain space. So what does digital search mean? 
Well, essentially, we are a, a recruitment agency that really partners on a more strategic way with our clients. And um, we help them hire mainly commercial professionals. So there could be sales, marketing, product management type of individuals, leadership, uh, and also more techie sort of software development roles, that type of thing, in a slightly more mid to senior function. So often our clients are, are people that perhaps don't want everyone to know that they're hiring. So a lot of the hiring we do is, is a little bit more behind closed doors. So if you're looking for perhaps for a strategic recruiting partner that knows the maritime market very well, is, is regularly in touch with um, individuals and professionals within the digital shipping space, then we'd love to hear from you and help you either from a hiring angle where we could help you with uh, kind of either any current hiring plans or maybe down the lines to help this kind of future succession planning. Or alternatively, if you are an individual working in the, the, the digital shipping space or interested in moving over to, the, to digital shipping, we'd love to hear from you. Again, we're in touch with a number of businesses all across the globe that are really exciting. Some of them are startups, some of them are been around sort of 10, 15 years scaling. Others are well established and, and have maybe publicly traded, uh, got big backing from, from large organizations. So a real variety and uh, we're here to help. So please do reach out um, Callum at CordellBeaumont.com and uh, I hope you enjoy the rest of the episode. Thanks a lot. Interesting. And rewind another step is when you make the approach to potential partners, how do you go about doing that? Is it literally just reaching out to people on LinkedIn or uh, industry events, you know, and say, hey, I'd like to have a private chat with you. We've got this potential opportunity. How, what's your top of sort of style or does it change depending again on, on the type of person you're reaching out to? Yeah, you know, I think with the nature of the industry, um, it's about keeping an open mind. You know, it's about also going back to the creative thinking uh, element of the role where, you know, the moment you say hi to someone, I think I automatically categorize them as could they be a great partner or not? And then I think back to the needs of the company, you know, in this particular moment, uh, could it be a good fit for that? I think of the company's ambitions in the long term, could they be a good fit for, for the long term? So I think, you know, keeping, uh, keeping an open mind, uh, remaining creative as to how something, you know, could be done together so that yes. one plus one equals three, uh, but also maintaining good relationships uh, because you never know how the industry might change. A company that, yesterday was a competitor could become a partner tomorrow a company that you know you've never worked with uh previously could become the next partner tomorrow it changes quite fast would you ever well maybe you do already i'm not sure but would you partner with competitors in some way and if you were to look at a competitor what kind of services or regions perhaps they cover that might make them an interest to you is there anything that you would look at closely or would you just typically tend to not try and reach out to competition no, so, you know, across the industry, um, I try to have a good relationship with, with everyone, even if that means competitors. You have to respect the fact that, you know, this is, again, a very wide uh, market. Um, you know, there's a lot of interests, a lot of clients, um, a lot of needs. I think competition is healthy. And, you know, I think you answered um, your, own, uh, your own question there when you, you talked about what to look for in partners. Um, an example could be potential acquisitions. It could be as potential mergers, especially if they service a market either geographically or from a product point of view that is uh, complementary to, to yours. That's always something that we, we've seen it happen across um, price reporting agencies, you know, research organizations. I think those doors are always open. Yeah, definitely. I mean, even... We've seen big news lately and a number of businesses, including 
clerks and, and nurse brokers, those sort of things are on the shipbroking side. So it's happening regularly and that makes real sense. Okay, no, thank you for sharing that. And I guess for anybody kind of aspiring to be in this type of strategic kind of partnership type of role, are there any kind of regular challenges that you face that perhaps you could kind of share just as a bit of a heads up about perhaps what to expect about the more difficult sides of the role you face? I would say less so challenges, more really sort of two best practices to avoid challenges that, that can arise from that. The first one, and it may sound obvious, but you know, always remain as honest and transparent as you, as you can. You know, if you have even a slight or small hidden agenda, it's going to come up one day, you know, it's going to become obvious. And, and the moment there's that loss of trust or miscommunication or perceived miscommunication between partners, that sort of dooms the partnership, you know, before it's even um, even started. So, you know, remain honest and, and open and transparent. And then the second one is make sure you, you align internally. I think there's nothing worse than a partnership sort of being sprung on the organization without product having had time to figure out, you know, what it meets, whether it fits with the, the timeline of the roadmap, without marketing have a, having figured out how to communicate it to, to our customers or potential prospects, and without sales knowing what to what to do with it as well, whether they can monetize it or, or not. So, you know, really ensuring the internal alignment again uh, between the three functions previously mentioned, uh, product, marketing, and sales, I think that's really key in, the, in a partnerships role. What, what type of career path typically leads into this type of role? Is it someone that's been maybe in a, a sales role predominantly, a key account management, or is it very much this is quite unique and t- t- people tend to typically stay or come from roles it, it, that generally deal with distributors, lead generation type of thing. So what, what have you seen from your experience of the typical background of people in this space? It's a good question, and I don't think there's, there's one right answer. Um, I've thought about it a lot, you know, I don't think I have uh, figured it out quite yet. Personally, I was always coming from the freight analytics space. You know, I joined Vortexa initially to, to build out uh, the freight research team and contribute to, to the freight analytics product. And there was a need to, to professionalize our partnership function as, um, as the organization grew. And so I kind of fell into this because, you know, you know, as much uh, as I do in shipping a big part um, of the market to, to have those personal relationships, to, to be open to building new relationships, to be connected within the, the market as well. So I think these are good uh, prerequisites for the role. That being said, you know, I can imagine someone who's been in the industry for, you know, 10 years, 20 years across different organizations to be very good in this role as well. I can imagine someone coming from the sales side to be very good in this role as well. I've actually just expanded my team. We hired a strategic partnerships manager uh, who started on, yeah. on Monday. So I'm very excited. And I think she has, you know, the perfect profile. She worked in the trading graduate program for, for BP, was actually at Vortex uh, as an account manager, and then went into strategy consulting for one of the larger consulting organizations. So, you know, a profile like that, that sort of ticks the strategy box, the industry trading box, and then the analytics uh, space box was uh, was a dream come true, really. I don't know how many unicorns like that yeah. exist, but um, I think, <laughs> again, you know, have someone who's who's a connector, who's an enabler, who has the required network in the industry, and um, and you can't go too wrong. Yeah, I mean, my, my co- we had uh, Cynthia Worley from Sedna on, yep. on the podcast a couple of weekend, uh, weeks ago. She's a fantastic person that knows lots and lots of people in the industry, very high energy and... I just get the sense it's that sort of profile that is very well known and, and is generally at events, meeting people, different channels of distribution and things. So it's uh, yeah, really interesting role, I find. 
And thanks for sharing, going into the details about that sort of position. But I guess a, a bit more about Vortex and the wider business. I noticed, um, and I've been hearing about the, the, the academy that's been set up on uh, via the company. And I'd just love to learn a bit more, perhaps, about the reasoning behind that and, uh, and what, it, what it involves. Yeah, no, um, thanks for, for bringing that one up. You know, I really love talking about it. I'm incredibly proud um, of the team that, that worked uh, to, to launch this. You know, if we take a step back, Vortex uh, is made up of industry experts, our market analysts who've worked across trading houses, price reporting agencies. You know, they know the market day in, day out. You know, they, they dream of oil and, and what's going on to the price and the, the fundamentals. And, and then we have the software engineers who just have this amazing brain power that you know, powers all our modeling and, and they build our machine learning models. And, you know, they're both experts at both ends of the of the table. And the Academy was really a way to, to bring them together where we launched a series of courses. So first, uh, regarding oil and, and freight markets. And, you know, some of these videos that our analysts made explain to you what, you know, a steam cracker is. You know, how does a refinery actually work? Um, how is oil extracted out of the ground? How do you conduct a chartering negotiation? And then on the flip side, we also uh, included courses around the use of our SDK. How do you code using Python? Um, how do you really harness the value within Vortex's API? And that's been fantastic because it's really built a bridge between the two sides of organization. Knowledge sharing is, is one of our core values here at Vortexa. And it's really brought the, the two groups closer together because now our engineers really understand, you know, what they're coding, what's the actual physical impact on the market. And our market analysts as well can do even more with the data that they have access to today. Okay. So, you know, and we could have left it at that internally. It would have been fantastic and really strengthened the, the organization. But we opened it up to our partners and, and clients. And that, you know, we've gotten fantastic feedback because, again, it's hard to, to find people that have both of those skills. You know, you don't have a lot of computer science degrees today that have a course on shipping or, or oil or, or gas. And on the flip side, you don't have many uh, shipping courses that teach you how to code uh, programmatically using Python or, or others. And, you know, I mean, I'm sure in, in your role as well, you know, you've had maybe more demand for, for those types of profiles that understand both how to manipulate data, yep. but also have the, the industry expertise. And by doing that, you know, we're really helping sort of educate the next generation of, of analysts and, and charterers and traders and brokers because they really need to be equipped with, you know, both sides um, and both of those skills, I believe, to, to be successful in our industry in the, in the future. It's also, you know, been a great segue for our product because then they really understand how to get as much value as they can out of our data and our, and our services. No, it sounds brilliant. And is it kind of ad hoc? You can just log in and start it straight away, or does it have specific kind of term start dates at all? No, no, there's no. Uh, you know, it's all super flexible. You get your login. Uh, you've got all the different courses. Uh, depending on the course that yeah. you pick, uh, you're gonna have a few videos. You have questionnaires as well, quizzes. You know, to make sure that you're on track. You end up with a with a cool, uh, you know, degree like those online uh, courses as well um, that you can then share yeah, also. Brilliant with others um, on LinkedIn. So no, it's, uh, it's super flexible and you know they can do it in their own time. No, I love it. It's really good, really, really interesting. Okay, well, I think uh, no, re really, really enjoyed this discussion. Really interesting, certainly on, on how you kind of go about sort of creating these partnerships across the space and we're seeing more and more of this happening. So it's great to hear it from people actually doing the, the nuts and bolts of the role. Uh, I guess just in general, if, if our audience ever have any questions or perhaps would like to learn a bit more about your, your partnerships, What's the best way for them to reach out to you? 
Um, I mean, LinkedIn works, you know, uh, they can type my yeah. name, find me right away, um, send me a direct message on there. I'll be sure to, to reply. Otherwise, um, arthur.richeradvortexo.com, you know, I'll be happy to, to chat through email as well. Okay, brilliant. And before I let you leave, we always ask people uh, a couple of questions to try and get to know them a little bit better you know, outside of work. So are there any kind of particular hobbies or anything that you're you're passionate about that maybe that most people don't know? Yeah, I guess hiking and, uh, and Formula One are the two which uh, which are really good. Cool. Uh, you know, especially hiking, I think there's no better way to, to clear your head. Yeah. I'm always looking for the next sort of trail or, or peak. I've actually just come back uh, three days ago from uh, Slovenia. And, you know, oh, wow, amazing. So everyone listening, go to Lake Bled, go to the soccer trail, beautiful transparent water. You know, the country is filled with the beautiful nature, forests, people are lovely. And the food is the best after a long day's hike. You know, it's got that mix of German influence, but then also the Italian and a bit of Eastern yeah. Europe. So no, hiking uh, thing I, yeah. I really enjoy. And, and the Formula One, I used to watch races as a kid, but it's really the Netflix uh, Drive to Survive show, which uh, threw me back in with, uh, with no, the- so, you know, I block in the now the, the qualification sessions and the races to make sure I don't uh, I don't miss any. And I'm the same. I loved Formula One pretty much since it was about ten or twelve, I think, and uh, kind of went out a little bit. And then um, obviously the early days of Lewis Hamilton sort of winning those 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 seasons. I've just been hooked ever since. I've uh, been to a couple of races and and uh, yeah, yeah. Which I yeah, I've got it. a few little Lewis Hamilton big big poster up there as well. Um, but no, it's great. And I think on the hiking side as well, yeah, it's so important to get out. And especially in the UK, you don't realize how many great places there are to go. So I went to Snowdonia and we did um, uh, Helvellyn and Scarfell Pike a few years ago. And Ben Nevis is on the to-do list at some point before I get too old and overweight. But <laughs> So no, it's brilliant. And then thank you for sharing that. So anything else you want to kind of um, discuss before you, you head off or, or, or share with our audience base? No, you know, uh, thank you for, for a great discussion and for, for having me uh, on here. Um, like you say, I think it's a role which um, we're seeing a lot more of. And I think it's really important to sort of all contribute to building that, that partnership ecosystem within, uh, within our industry, especially thinking of the challenges that we face. You know, we haven't talked about decarbonization. Uh, we haven't talked about a world that, that is getting, one can say, increasingly sort of polarized. So, you know, thank you for, for shining a light on this role and what we can do to, to continue growing our industry. No, it's a pleasure, and it's great to hear your perspective and and Vortex's kind of uh, a bit more about their, their their services and their insights. So it's really valuable. Again, thank you again for coming on. And uh, if anyone has any questions, please feel free to re- feel free to reach out to me or or, or Arthur, uh, and we'll speak again soon, Arthur. Cheers, Callum. Thanks for listening to this episode. I really enjoyed my discussion with Arthur. Very articulate, very bright guy, knows his industry extremely well and also really enjoyed learning about the role of partnerships within the digital kind of space in in data suppliers, maritime software, energy, commodities, all these different sort of industries and and companies that can connect to each other uh, via strategic partnerships. So I've learned a lot. I hope you have too. And thank you again for following the channel and for following the episodes. I always ask it, please do subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please do follow us on Facebook, Spotify, podcasts. It really helps with our audience exposure. Next episode coming in on the next two weeks. I'm really excited about that too. Thanks again, and we'll speak again soon.